Steve, thank you so much for the warm welcome. Uh, how good is it that we're, I mean, some of you may be worshipping with a mask, but I, was, I got off a plane with a mask and I was like, ah, oh, I just can't handle this. I understand why we do it and I'm not saying anything, but it's just good to be able to worship together. Now, I love online, and if you're online, it's great to have you with us this morning, and I, I pray that God just touches you guys, does something incredible, whether it's at home or whether, wherever you may be. But there is nothing like the gathering of community. And I think one thing that we've, uh, we've learned through this last few years is the importance of church, the importance of physically being here. And I, I know, like, if you look at this... I'm not, don't want to get into it, but if you look at the statistics, a lot of people think, oh, okay, well, now I'm... Ne-. Christianity and, and attending church is, is pushing out to, like, used to be hopefully once a week, and then it goes a little bit longer, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, once a month I'll go, and then I'll, oh, I can watch it online. But let me tell you something. When you read scriptures like, iron sharpens iron like a friend sharpens a friend, that is talking about the proximity of gathering. And the power of being present with the Holy Spirit, active and moving. Now, I know He can move in your household, and I pray that He's constantly doing things in your life and in your families. But the fact that you're here, don't just come to church and go, oh, okay, it's, we're going to have a good day today, and then I'll go and have a great coffee, and then Sunday's ticked. Tick. Come here just waiting and ready for something. Now, you might not, you might know not what, have no idea what it is you're actually going to walk out of church with, but know that God is constantly doing something in your world. So can I pray for you before we start? Is that all right? What a lovely testimony this morning. I loved, uh, it was Elizabeth. I love, um, okay, first thing, my wife's not here and she sends her love. She's down in Parkside. She's the one that cries a lot when she speaks. I'm pretty sure that she's giving me that anointing this morning. So I'm just feeling the presence of God this morning. I said to her yesterday, I actually said to our pastor, uh, Simon and Pastor George, I said, oh, listen, make sure you get the tissues ready. And I love it because my wife uh, is a heart girl and, uh, but preaches powerfully. Uh, but I just said, listen, just be ready for it because she'll just go there. But uh, anyway, Elizabeth, what you shared, I loved not just what you said, but the way in which you said it. You said you grabbed what you felt God was calling you to. There's some times where the things of God are right there. And he's saying, hey, will you just step out for it? Will you just grab it? I grew up in church, in a church family. What I realized very early on is that my parents can't grab the things of God for my life. The relationships I have and the people in my world can't grab the things of God for my life. I have to make a decision. So let me pray for you. And you just close your eyes. Father, I pray today as we're here in this incredible church, in this incredible region, I pray that today, whatever it is that you are doing in every individual life here, in every family, in every marriage, I thank you, Father, that we would have the, the faith and the boldness that rises up not by smart words or intellectual insight but by a faith in you Jesus that rises up on the inside of us that we would take hold of the things you have promised 
Lord, where dreams may feel dead, I thank you that you are a resurrecting God. Jesus, I speak life over those barren bones. I speak your spirit active in situations that seem dire. I speak your incredible touch of healing over not just this church, but this entire community. I see a river flowing down this main street, touching people. People will gather to this point. Why Handel? Why Adelaide Hills? It feels so relaxed and regional because the presence of God will move in a new way. People will gather and draw to this place like never before. We declare it, Lord. We speak it. Not for the sake of a worship service, not for a sake of even just the nice hospitality, but Lord, because your presence is active, Jesus, you will move in this place powerfully. Father, we stand today as an incredible church in three amazing locations over this city. We thank you that the days ahead be days where we bind ourselves to you stronger than we have ever bound her to you before Jesus where the miraculous will flow lives will be touched we thank you for that Jesus we just give your praise and honor we take hold of what you have in store for us today in your mighty name we pray amen amen awesome hey why don't you grab your Bibles hey thanks team you guys can grab a seat you guys did awesome Give him a hand. I, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's great. I, um, it's my privilege to be here today. It was great uh, and an honor for um, uh, Pastor Bruce and Pastor Julie when they invited Christy and myself to come up. It, I was getting a little nervous because it had been many years since our last invitation and I felt like maybe I had done something in that time. But I just realized life is busy. Life is busy. No, it, I, I actually don't think I... To be honest, I don't know if I would have wanted to come back because every time I come back here, like Christy and I love this place. We love the area. We love the people. Handoff, man. I was walking the street this morning. I was like, oh, yeah, if Kingsliff didn't exist, I could live here. This is a pretty nice place. Uh, we're, the, we're the total opposite. We are right on the coast. Uh, it, is, it never drops below 20 degrees. Well, it does, but it doesn't feel like it. Uh, and uh, I'm originally from Canberra, so I do enjoy a bit of cold. I enjoy cold. I'm uh, warm-blooded, so you know when I can wear a jacket in cold weather, it's quite nice. Some of you might be thinking, what are you talking about? It's just too cold. Who's originally from Adelaide? Yeah, wow, okay. Who's originally from the hills? Wow. Who, who doesn't know where they're from? Yeah, well, we'll work on that today. Uh, but yeah, my wife sends her love, and uh, I just wanted to thank uh, Pastor Bruce and, and Pastor Julie. Um, my former pastors, Pastor Stephen Deb White, there is, you need to understand something, and because this is their church, sometimes you may not realize how highly regarded your pastors are. Um, Pastor Bruce and Julie are. I mean, we have this thing in, in C3, and I find it a bit quirky. We call them like they're C3 legends. 
It's like, ah, it's just a title. But can I just say that Pastor Bruce and Pastor Julie are what I would classify parents of the faith that have done the journey and are doing the journey and that I would trust with my life. And so the fact that you're here, you may not really, it might be your first time here, you're in a good, safe place. One of the greatest things I could ever say about a church is that it's safe. And this is a safe church. And so these guys are just uh, highly regarded all over the movement. They are absolute, I'll say it, legends. Uh, Not officially. I'll say it early enough and it'll happen at some point. But the reality of it is, like, there's probably only a handful of people in that category for me. And these guys are are some of them. So you guys have uh, just incredible pastors. So thank you guys for having us. And uh, Pastor John and Pastor Emma, location pastors. So three locations. Where's the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh location? Who's doing it? Who's going to take hold? I don't know. I won't go there today. You're just enjoying being Sunday. But you guys, I mean, we've known you guys for ages now. Um, and uh, it's been, yeah, I can't believe it was, it was 15 years for that conference. Uh, but, you know, for, for a location, you're in incredible hands. These guys are absolutely phenomenal. So anyway, should we get into the word today? Okay, good. All right. Ephesians chapter 3. I believe you guys are doing like a Bible project series over this, this year. You're going through different topics. Uh, maybe the overarching theme was one story leads to Jesus, which I actually think is incredible. Because if there's anything that we can be doing with any, any part of our preaching series, any part of our talking, it is about the fact that we should be pointing ourselves and others to Jesus. One thing I'm constantly saying in our church is if you have gotten anything out of a service, anything out of a connect group, anything out of just walking with other Christians, it's this, my prayer is that you would fall more in love with Jesus today. That's my prayer for you. And so I want to have a look at a story. Uh, First, let's have a read in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. I'm going to read this to you, and then I'm going to jump into my message. It says, when I think of all this, I fall on my knees and I pray to the Father, The creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. If that's something for you today, that my prayer is that today... You'd fall more in love with Jesus and your roots would not go down into a good idea or a good thought, but into him. He is our foundation. He is our strength. This is what Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he's encouraging them with this. In verse 18 it says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand it, then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. If you want to underline something, it's that statement there for this morning is that he can accomplish more through his love for you than you can ask or think for your own life. 
let me make a statement today as we jump into this. My revelation of Jesus is this, is he actually wants greater things for my life than I want for my life. And often, and this is not like just a faith hype message, because what I'm going to show you today is often the things that I'm asking of God, God's saying, well, actually, that's this path, but I'm going to take you on this path. And what I have to do is I learned very earlier on in my uh, walk with Jesus, um, I had my sister went through a journey, it was a a health crisis with a family member, and I learned very early on that faith for me and a faith in God is not about me knowing how to control the situation or saying, God, you need to do this, but it was actually relinquishing control and having faith that he was in control. To know that even in the midst of a circumstance that I might be freaking out about, he is in control. And having faith that he can come through. And so this morning, I want to talk to you, uh, I've titled my message... The expectation gap. The expectation gap. Because often we have an expectation of how God is going to work things out in our life. And I don't know, if you've been around church or or walk with Jesus for a little while, you'll find that what you expect and sometimes what you're living don't necessarily line up. You'll read a scripture which is truthful and it's foundational and you're like, that's what I'm believing and that's what I'm declaring over my life. I'm believing for this healing. I'm believing for this financial breakthrough. I'm believing for the miraculous of God. But what you're living right now doesn't seem to line up. Has anyone been there? Now, I, I would, it's, it's not the way to sell Christianity, but the reality of it is the longer you're a Christian, you realize often these things aren't lining up. It's like, I I believe this, I'm reading this, I read that scripture that says how high, how deep, how wide is the love of Jesus, that he'll do these things in my life, he'll walk, but I'm right now dealing with maybe bankruptcy, or I'm dealing with a marriage uh, crisis, or I'm dealing with kids that aren't following Jesus, I'm dealing with a health issue, and I know that Jesus is my healer, I know that he is my provider, I, I even have the scriptures on my wall. And I read them every morning, yet my experience is not lining up. What I would call that is the expectation gap. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning, because we often have our expectation of people come under two categories. One, we have an expectation of people in our life that we have done the most for. Right now, don't, don't picture that person. Don't do it. I'm a pastor and I'm a person and I'm a dad and I'm a husband. Don't picture them. I have those people that I've done a lot for in life and I have an expectation about how they should do things for me. It's just human nature. You might be saying, Steve, that's only you. Well, let it be me. But we put people in that category. Then we put people in another category when it comes to expectation and that category is the people that have always done things for us. So we actually get to this place. We assume that what they have always done, they'll keep doing. And so we have these expectations on people. Well, I've done all this stuff for you. Why are you not now doing it for me? This is probably the the greatest example of this comes around when you move house. You help them move house three times. Not just did you help them move house, but you helped them move house on that last one which was up like a three-floor you know, three walk-up apartment in the city, and you helped them. And you helped them move that chest of drawers that was antique, 
but you knew it was from Ikea. And you're like, but you had to be perfectly, you, you, and then it wedged you into the hall and you smashed up against the wall and you're just screaming, it hurts, it hurts, and you try, and, but you didn't break it. You helped them. And then when it comes time for you to move, the expectation, well, you helped me. I helped you. Oh, no, I'm busy. But, but, but the expectation is that I helped you. You, you, it's time for you to help me. Or the expectation I, and I, is that they've always been there, so they'll be there when I need them. Sometimes we put God into these categories. Jesus, I, I gave. I served. I was there. Why, why is now that I, I, I know the Scriptures, I've done all these things, but what I am living doesn't seem to line up. There's a tension that starts to arise on the inside of us. And I think for us, one of the great stories we can read in John chapter 11 is a story about a guy named Lazarus and his two sisters. I like to read stories in the Bible that highlight my humanity. Because it's not just about reading a story and going, oh, wow, that's amazing, that's cool, let's do this. But when I start to realize, oh, I'm actually exactly like these people. And seeing how Jesus operated and how he interacted with these people, you start to realize, I mean, sometimes we read the Bible and we look at these stories and we just go, oh, silly, silly disciples. (laughs) What were you thinking? And then I realize, oh, no, that's human nature. Oh, no, that's actually me. I operate the same. And so this story here is a story of expectation of these women who had an expectation of God and see how God, they've got this, they know who Jesus is, they know what, that he, he's promised and he's healed, and they know all these things, and then their circumstance does not line up with it at all. And we see how Jesus operates. So why don't you follow with me as we go through this in the next few minutes. John chapter 11, verse 1 to 5. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, And her sister Martha, down to verse 3. So the sister went and sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end with death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So let's stop right there. She sends word to Jesus and said, Lazarus is sick. But I want you just to read how we get it in the English. It's presented like this. The one you love is sick. If it was me writing that letter or sending that word out to Jesus, and I'm not saying this is what Mary did and Martha did, but once again, applying my own humanity to the situation, I would have loaded up that sentence with as many things as possible to try and get Jesus to react Like, she doesn't just say, hey, Lazarus is sick. Jesus, the one you love, you remember him, the close connection, you're in relationship, you loved Lazarus, you care for him, you actually should be, he's sick. Come and help. I would have been loading it up with, oh, the one you love, remember how he tithed, remember how he gave, remember how he served, remember how he did, remember, remember, he did all these things. The expectation is you need to be here and now solve the situation. And I... Sometimes I've been caught in places in my own journey with Jesus where I've thought, Jesus should operate this way because I've done all this stuff. And I realized very quickly that Jesus has a greater perspective on my situation than I do. 
And he always comes through, but he comes through in his way. And that requires a faith that goes, I don't know how this is lining up. This is what I'm believing. This is what I'm experiencing. I have an expectation that thinks God should operate this way. But Jesus comes and he sits and he does exactly, probably the opposite to what Mary asked for. Verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, wait, wait, actually, I'm going to jump back. Verse 5. Let's just take a moment. Jesus, like John records that Jesus makes the statement and says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So let's just, like, he's not dismissing them. So he actually loves and cares for them. So he's not saying, oh, I don't care for these guys. He's saying, I love these guys. And yet this is how he responds. John 11, verse 6. So when he heard this, uh, heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. We read that in the English, and it's not like it says, but he stayed, like he'd already planned to stay longer. It says he heard it, so he stayed longer. Like, think about that. It's subtle, like when we read it from the English perspective. It's subtle, but it's like, why would he choose to stay longer after hearing he was sick? It's not like he's like, oh, I've got more business to do and to attend to. He's like, no, 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 I'm just going to, I'm going to wait a little bit longer. I know you want me there right now, but I'm going to wait longer. And then we read on in verse 7. The disciples, uh, he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. Jump down to verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I am going there to wake him up. Once again, Jesus calls him a friend. Why, why am I reinforcing the fact that Jesus loves Lazarus, Jesus is their friend? Because sometimes we feel like when we don't get the answer we want from God, oh, maybe God does not care about me. And it is the total opposite. He loves them. He cares for them. He's friends. He's deeply connected. Yet, his perspective is different. Now, these next few verses, I believe, are probably not verses for you. They're verses for me. Because it really highlights the stupidity of the disciples. And I love it. Because I'm like, oh, the silly disciples. And then I'm like, no, I'd probably do the same thing. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll be better. Jesus had them... Um, had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant about natural sleep. So they have this moment. And then he says, so then he told them plainly, no, 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 Lazarus is dead. And so for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. So that you may believe, but let's go to him. And then one more for fun. Like one more moment in verse 16. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, says to the rest of the disciples, let's also go that we may die with him. And I, I sort of love the humanity of the disciples in that because I'm like, here's a deal. As much as we're like, oh, I know, all the, I know all the mysteries of God and it's amazing. I know how God works. Half the time we have no idea what we're doing. But we know that God's with us in the midst of it. <laughs> and he's going to guide us and direct us. It's like why he, he makes our path straight. He guides the lamp onto our feet. It's one step at a time with Jesus. But always know that he is a friend. He is close. He loves you. His love is so deep, like we read in Ephesians, so wide, so deep. Uh, it, it, you can't even understand it completely. That's how much he loves and cares for us. But it doesn't mean we're going to know exactly how it works out. But what we do know is that he's right there with us. So we read this scripture. We get to verse 17. And it says, on his arrival, 
Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. You might be thinking, what's the... I actually thought, well, what's the importance of four days? Why four days? Why does it mention that? It doesn't just say he's been in the tomb. It says he's been in the tomb for four days. So you know what? As a pastor, I was like, I better do some study. So I did some study. And so some Jewish scholars at that time believed that for three days after, the, after someone died, their spirit would try to re-enter the body. And that's not a biblical belief. That's just what culturally they thought. They thought that the spirit would hover for three days and after three days it would finally depart. So why is four days significant? It's not just three days. So Martha, Mary, they're like, Jesus, you're the one you love, Lazarus, he's sick and all this sort of stuff. Come now. We've got like a three-day period for you to get here. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, I'm just going to wait a couple days. What? The disciples would have been thinking the same thing. No, they're not quite sure. They rock up. They sit there. The, the, he's been dead for four days. And Jesus is like, it's all good. It's going to be fine. And they're, they're thinking, he's not now just dead. He is dead, dead. He is un... There is no ability to resurrect him at this moment. Sometimes what I prayed at the beginning of the service around our dreams and the visions and the things we feel God's place in our heart, feels like it's taken so long to come to pass that we just go to that place of, they're not, it's not just dead, it's dead, dead. There's no ability for God to bring this thing back around. But let me just tell you, there's a guy in a story by the name of Jesus. And when we read in Ephesians, his love is so deep for you he cares so much about you that even though you right now might be looking at a business situation, a relationship, a health situation, whatever it may be, thinking, man, it is not just dead, it is dead, dead. Let's see what Jesus does in the midst of it. John 11, verse 18 to 24. Now it says, Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. This interaction right here is the interaction that I think really speaks to our situation when it comes to the expectation gap. What I expected from God, but I'm faced with a reality that doesn't meet up. We see the humanity of Martha here and we go far out. She's battling with this. She's in tension with this right now. And I would love to say to you, when you follow this, I said this a little earlier, sometimes we can become the best uh, salespeople for Christianity. If you follow Jesus, it's going to be, life's going to be perfect. Jesus is going to be with you. Now, your life is going to be incredible because all of a sudden, the Savior, Jesus Christ, is active in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like there is nothing, nothing compares to that. But your life is still going to have ups and downs. The process of justification, sanctification, and glorification is you're justified by faith, so you're saved. There'll come a point where we become glorified, where we have our new body and we're in heaven. But then there's this journey in the middle of life where we're believing but not yet seeing. It's the kingdom now but not yet moment where you're thinking, well, I've been doing these things for God, but I'm not seeing breakthrough in this area. I've been praying for healing, but I'm not seeing healing come. What's going on? So Martha sits there and she runs out. She says, Lord, Martha said, if you'd been here, 
my brother would not have died. And then she says, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you're asked for. Can you hear the tension in her thinking? If only you had been here. But I also know that you are a healer. But if only you had come when I'd asked you to. If only you had answered the prayer when I prayed it. But I also know that you answer prayer. Who's been there? I seem to get there all the time. Maybe I'm lucky. That tension. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Like she's, she's going, trying to go to faith. But the experience is just so much. The emotion is just so much. She's thinking it's not just three days, it's four days. He's dead. Like he's starting to smell. Like it's intense. Martha is caught in that tricky place between the past and the future. That moment of if you had only been here moment. If you had only answered my prayer, Jesus. And I think that leaves us in this place in our life. That sometimes we go, if God, you had only provided, it would have turned out different. If you had only healed, it would have changed that circuit. If you had only protected, if, you, if God, that had happened... If you had just lived up to the expectation of how I thought it would work, something incredible could have happened. And I find that that is actually often the journey we have with Jesus. And for a long time I grew up in church and I, I loved the experience uh, that I grew up with. It, um, I grew up in a, in a few different uh, church movements but I grew up with the expectation at that point, well, the way to get through that is to pray harder and push harder and try and make God do something. But I soon realized, no, it's less about what I think God should do and more about just knowing that he is in control. Getting that shift to that place where you say, Jesus, I thank you. That even though I don't know how this is going to work out, even though I am an A-type personality that wants to control every little thing under the sun and I think I could probably have done it better than you, but in theory, I'm humble, so Jesus, you're the creator. Like, you know what I'm saying? Your life, you want to control your life and do it your way. But sometimes faith requires us to say, hey, there's actually a better way. I can't see it. And we read scriptures like in Ephesians that say Jesus' love is so deep, it's so wide, so he doesn't leave us. Even though we don't know how it may work out, he will work things out. And it may not be what you're expecting, but he will do something miraculous. And the real question is, is how do we get from that place of looking at the past and starting to look to Jesus? Like it's not like, I'm, I'm not encouraging you to say, oh, well, stop looking to the past, just look to the future. I'm encouraging you to stop looking at the past and start looking to Christ. Because that's he's the one that will get us through. The journey of faith is that threefold step of stop looking for a way to get out of the situation. Start looking for a way to get God in the situation and start looking for a way that he will bring you through that situation. But it's all about Jesus. It's not about the answers. Right now, the way to wrap this message up 
would be to read the following few verses that gives the solution and the answer. You see what Jesus does. I encourage you to go and read it. But it's not where I want to go today. I don't want to read that because quite often we read Scripture and we read it and we get the A plus B equals C. And we think, I just need that C, Jesus. I need that to come through. I need the answer. And sometimes we don't get the answer for a while. But what you didn't need to know is that Jesus is the answer. And you might be sitting here today having a dream, a desire in your heart, thinking, my goodness, Jesus, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I've given, I've served, and my expectation is is that you'll bring an answer right now. I'm not going to say you will or won't receive it the way you think you will. But what I do know is that Jesus is in the midst of that. He is your strength in the midst of all situations. And as I said earlier, sometimes we become some of the greatest salespersons for Christianity saying, oh, you know, if you come to Jesus, it's all going to be roses. It's all going to be fantastic. But it's life, but it's life with Christ. And I tell you what, if there's, I've had highs and lows in my life. I've had incredible moments. I've, you've had horrific moments. But the thing about it is I've always known that the love of Jesus is right there. And my heart would be this, that even though you may have had an expectation and maybe your situation doesn't seem to line up with it right now, don't sit there going, maybe I need to serve more, maybe I need to have greater faith. No, you just have to bind yourself to Christ more than you ever have before. Just find him in the midst of that situation. One thing I love about Martha when she runs out is she makes this statement right at the end Martha answered, it's in actually in verse 22, it says, but I know that even now God will give whatever you ask. Even now, I don't know how it's going to work, but I know that you're in control. I know, Jesus, that your way is the way. Sometimes, and here's the deal, I'm going to be brutally honest with you this morning, and if your pastors want to run up and grab my microphone, that's fine. There's, sometimes you're going to get answers now and sometimes you're not going to get answers until eternity. But what we have been given that will sustain you is not the answer, it's Jesus. He will sustain you through what you're facing. He will, he will at times, pick you up and carry you through it. At times he will seem silent, but he is present. The Holy Spirit is there. And so my heart's prayer for you guys today is that whatever you're going through, whatever's happening in your world, you would know scriptures like Deuteronomy, as I'm going to wrap this up right now. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid, terrified. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 1 Peter 5.7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit of God gives us, does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love and self-discipline. And then back to Ephesians again, that we would know how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is for us. 
why don't you close your eyes and I'd love to pray for you this morning. Father, I don't know the specifics for every person here or what we're facing, but Jesus, you do. You know what's going on in our mind right now, what has been churning over in our heart this week. And Father, for some of us, purely by how many people are here, there's some people here, Father, I know that would be struggling because what they thought would happen is not lining up with what they're experiencing. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us take our eyes of how we think it should be solved. And I pray in the midst of our situation, we would see you more clearly today. That we would see you, Jesus, and we would know that you are a Savior that loves us, that cares for us. Maybe we've been trying to get out of the situation, but Lord, we need to just allow you access into this situation. Maybe we've been trying to run away from it, and Lord, we realize that you're wanting to walk us through it. Whatever it may be today, whatever is going on in our heart, I thank you, Jesus, that today you will draw so close to us by the power of your Spirit. We would have a deep revelation and understanding that you care for us. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you don't leave us nor forsake us. Just with, with your eyes closed, I w- we do this in almost all of our services. And in a moment, I'll, I'm actually going to take the opportunity to, uh, we're going to pray for people if they want prayer specifically around this word today. But I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. I just want to talk to you just for a second. And the reason I ask you to close your eyes is because often it's, Stops us from getting distracted. And I want you to listen to your heart. You might be here today and you might be saying, well, Steve, you're talking about a Jesus that loves me and that cares for me so deeply, but I don't know Jesus that way. I know of him, but I don't know him that Intimately, the language you've been using, Steve, is a, a language of relationship and intimacy. I don't know Jesus like that. You, you could have been in church your entire life and, and feeling today, I don't know Jesus that way. And I would encourage you in this moment, we're going to pray a prayer. And it's a simple prayer because. The word says that Jesus is knocking on the door of our heart. Jesus is always waiting to come into our life. And what I just described, it's almost like you're at home and you haven't realized you have a guest at the front door. That guest is Jesus. You've been struggling with things in your household. You've been struggling with things in your life, not realizing that Jesus wants to come in and be a part of it and to to bring his love and his goodness 
to remove some of that clutter, the sin that easily entangles us, the pursuit of our own desires in our life. He's like, I want to remove that stuff. I want to take those chains and bring life into your world. And here's the thing, it's only Jesus that can do that. Sin in our life is like a, a well that's clogged up by rocks and there's no flowing water, no fresh life. Jesus wants to come and unblock that. When he died on the cross, he died to pay the price for sin, to pay the price on our behalf. He wants to be a part of our world. And so today I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're, I'm actually going to ask us all just to be praying in our heart the same prayer, pray it over our life. But if you're here today and you're saying, Steve, this prayer that I just prayed felt like the first time that I've actually allowed Jesus into my world. Then after the service, I'd love to meet you. would love to pray. We've got some incredible team who'd love to pray with you. If you don't know what it is to live a life that follows Jesus, then they would love to help you with that. But let me just lead you in a prayer today. And I'm going to ask us all just to pray it from our heart. Maybe you've you know you have a relationship with Jesus, then I would still just ask, just pray this prayer. It's a declaration of the decision you made. So why don't you just repeat after me, Dear Father, I ask Jesus to come into my life. I thank you that he has washed my sin and set me free. I thank you, Jesus, that you purify me that I'm now part of your family. I thank you, Lord, for the power of your Spirit that will guide me daily and bring life to my body. And I thank you, Jesus, for setting me free now and for all eternity. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Lord, I just pray for those who maybe prayed that prayer today and asked you into their life for the first time. I thank you that it is not just our words that they have said, but it'll be a moment of transformation that will change their life. And that through the ups and downs, the highs and lows, you will be present with them from this day forward till eternity. You have paid the price of sin that needs to be paid, a price that only you can do through the cross that on that cross you took our sin and through your resurrection you have released life for us and i thank you that that is present here today in every one of our lives your mighty name man hey why don't you stand to your feet uh as we draw to a close this morning but uh uh i don't want to be if your name is Debbie here, I'm apologize. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Uh, but hey, life can be tough. And sometimes we think we have to just put on a brave face and just slog our way through it. 
But sometimes we just have to take a moment and just say, Jesus, I need you. It's actually something worth doing daily. But this morning, we're going to pray. I'm going to pass over to Pastor John in a second. We're going to pray for people. If you want prayer because you're finding that expectation gap is just so present in your life, you've been believing for something, but you're totally... We want to pray for you guys. We want to believe that today you'll have a deeper, more vivid revelation of Jesus in the midst of your circumstance that you have ever had before. So I'm going to pass to you, Pastor John. Yeah.